The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. People tend to hunker down when things get a little uncertain. But I think we're all learning that uncertainty is just a part of life. So how can you embrace adventure in your career despite the unknowns? We're talking all about it on today's show. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. A lot of words have become common in headlines over the past five years. One of them is uncertainty. And honestly, I don't think that's going away. There's always some uncertainty in the world. How do you be bold in your career despite uncertainty? Well, we have someone today who has lived with an adventure mindset and really navigated an incredible career. Ginny Carlier is EY America's Vice Chair of Talent meaning she oversees a huge workforce. She's also called EY her employer for nearly 30 years, with positions around the globe. To kick things off, let's hear a bit about Ginny's career. I'm the vice chair of talent for EY Americas. I have the great job of leading all the efforts that really drive an exceptional experience, anywhere from 50,000 recruiting candidates a year and over 100,000 team members in 31 countries. EY, it's so multifaceted. You really do everything, right? Yeah, we really do. And what's been great about that is set up this foundation and this platform for people who are curious and want to have different experiences to come and join us. Yeah, I know people who have worked at EY. And what's really amazing is they've got to experience the world. Even if they live in the United States, you know, I had one friend who went to the Welsh countryside every month or so to meet a client and she got to go to Europe, Australia. So it is one of those places where you can really experience the world if you work there. And obviously today, I kind of want to talk a little bit about navigating amidst uncertainty, which basically never goes away. But what's incredible is looking at your career, you've been at EY for nearly 30 years. And at the same time, you've got to experience so much. Because I think a lot of people, when they hear, oh, I've been at an employer for that long, they think, okay, that must be boring. But looking at your biography, it doesn't seem like that's the case. No. Look at today's workforce. What's really interesting is that they're very explicit about telling you that they want different experiences. There was a report not too long ago that said that those entering the workforce today will want 12 different jobs in their career that will on an average of three years per job. And when I look back at my career, I've had the opportunity of having a number of different experiences or jobs. It just happens to be with one employer. That's the kind of platform we have to lay out for the future workforce is their ability to see they can join an organization and have multiple experience and multiple jobs that really build their career. Yeah. And also when you join a company as large as UI or another large company, you really have that room to pivot. You've been all over the world and you've done so much. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are? 
Yeah. Sometimes it's luck and sometimes it's determination. And I was in university. I was charging through on what I wanted my direction of my career to be in the future. And I happened to have to take an accounting class. I was part of one of my majors. And I thought, I just got to get through this. And I thought, oh, I bombed this. This is not going to be good. And he sat me down. He's like, you're not an accounting major. I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) There's a reason for that. And um, he said, why not? And I told him all the reasons, which were, is boring. Like, why I don't want to be an accountant. I don't want to sit at a desk all day. And he spent 90 minutes with me to explain how a foundation of accounting can really be that platform to other avenues in your career. So I spent an extra year in school and got my accounting degree. And never my wildest dreams that I think it could take me to where it has, but it's allowed me to work on some of the world's largest brands, which gave me opportunities to travel. I was from Ohio. I was a small town girl, and I was asked if I would go to Silicon Valley. And It was one of those moments where I sat back and I said, I don't know if I want to do this. And after spending some time in Silicon Valley, I was given the opportunity to go to the Middle East. And so I took a risk and it ended up being the best experience that I could have ever imagined. And it was really the first time that I was able to dip my toes into kind of balancing that client service, really being focused on serving large multinational companies and also being a leader in talent. So I was able to take on being the first diversity, equity, and inclusive leader for the Middle East, which was just fascinating. It was a region that had 174 nationalities and spent time really building out strategy around DEI in the Middle East. And that gave me an opportunity to be the assurance talent leader, which is one of our service lines at EY for Europe, Middle East, India, and Africa. And that is when I really saw when you're able to bring different cultures, different perspectives, different backgrounds, and you're able to bring those together, you really drive innovation you really are able to get to better solutions. It was always important to serve clients, make stay connected to the business, but I also continue to grow as a talent leader. And so now I am the full-time in talent, leading talent, leading all of our efforts from everything from recruiting to development to progression in your career, all the way through to making partner development and then transitioning as well. So it's been a great journey. I really think having that ability to continue to serve clients and really see how the market is moving and being close to it, as well as being internal with it as a talent leader, allow me to do both jobs so much better. What I like in that response to is your focus on clients, because what a lot of people think talent is, is just focusing on the people. And you do that, but at the same time, it is a business. And those people are there to serve the customers or the clients. Whenever I talk to CHRO or someone who's the head of talent, what's always really interesting is to listen to the ones who say, no, we are here to accomplish this goal and we have to have great talent, but in service of the business, which I always think is really interesting. No, I couldn't say it better myself. I think in today's world, it is so important that the CHRO is so interconnected with the business, the markets, really understanding where the business is headed from a growth perspective, a strategy perspective, and then how that impacts people, talent, what skills are needed to be able to deliver those services in our business, those services to our clients. And so first thing I say is we need to make sure that we understand the market and the business. Market and talent are just two sides to the same coin. Yeah. The thing that sticks out also from your story is that 
you've really embraced sort of adventure in your career. And obviously, I think there's a certain personality type that goes with that. But how do you reassure yourself to say, let's take this jump? Because like you said, you moved around the world, you moved across the country. How do you embrace that, especially amid uncertainty and not knowing whether something's going to work out? It's interesting because whenever we go through a a transformation, whether it's something small or reorganization type transformation, I always say to people, when you're feeling angst about it, you're feeling uncertain about it, pause and ask yourself, what's the unanswered question? I don't know if it was just ingrained in me, but I was very fortunate that was really how I approached everything. When I would feel anxiety about it, I'd let myself feel the emotion. And then I'd ask myself, what is it that's got you so uncertain? And hone in on that question and figure out what's the answer to that. If I don't have an answer, what's the absolute downfall? When I was going to the Middle East, when I was talking to my friend, I mean, he looked at me, he's like, Jenny, what's the worst thing that can happen, right? You go over there, you're miserable, and we're going to take you back. And I'm like, you know what? It's not better or worse. It's just different. And you need to appreciate and understand the differences. So, yeah, I think it really comes down to having an adventurous mindset and just asking yourselves, what's the worst thing that can happen? And usually when you go in that way, all kinds of opportunities come at you. So Yeah. And also, usually if things even go belly up, it's not the end of the world. It's maybe a setback briefly, but you can bounce back. Exactly. We'll be right back with Ginny after this break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so... We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back with EY America's Vice Chair of Talent, Ginny Carlier. When it comes to sort of looking at your career, obviously, you've seen cycles in the economy and the word for the past five years has been uncertainty. How do you coach your team and your people through uncertainty? Because there's always a lot of angst 
around what's happening in the economy, unknowns. And I think a lot of people now, they hear inflation is going down, but then at the same time, they'll hear we're not out of the clear yet. So what is your advice to people when they hear all of that and they have that sort of anxiety building? Yeah, so it's a good question. And I think I go back to making sure you understand where anxiety is stemming from. And again, going back to what is that unanswered question that you have and making sure you're asking it, or at least that you can appreciate what's driving the emotion. I think also it is being curious and making sure you understand all the drivers. Like right now, you can't go into a conversation without talking about generative AI or disruptive technology. And if you're uncertain about that and you're sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to replace me, I'm not going to have a job anymore, then read a book, watch videos, and accept that it is going to change the way you do your job, but it's going to allow you, if you embrace it, to elevate the way you do your job and how you're able to contribute. And I think the more you understand it, and the situation or more you appreciate the why some things are changing, the easier it is for you to embrace it and contribute. If you're leaning into the change, usually you're getting noticed in a positive way, and especially today when you talk to someone who may have been laid off or have fears of laying off. I went through that. When I left EY for a brief time, when I was in my mid-20s, I went and I started a job and I thought it was going to take me in a direction in my career. And I was so excited about it. And six weeks later, they outsourced the department. And I was out of a job. I left Ohio. I left all of my roots. And it was that time where I paused and I said, I'm going to continue to give this a shot. Because again, what's the worst thing that can happen, right? I can go back to Ohio. I could probably go back to EY because I left on very good terms. But it was like, no, this is an opportunity to learn a new skill. I was doing some stuff for casinos. And so I went and got a part-time job at a casino to understand the inner workings of the casino so that I could continue to go find another role in a casino. And so I think it's just when you have that time, like how can you then invest in yourself so that you can create more opportunities in the future? That's really great advice. Again, it shows that even if the worst happens, look for your safety net. Look at how you could bounce back and other opportunities. So for people who are looking for work now who say, listen, I don't really know what I want to do now and I'm struggling, what advice do you have for them? I think the first thing that I would say, organizations today are looking for, they'll say transformative leaders. And what does that mean? That means someone who is curious, someone who has an aptitude to build skills, to learn new skills, someone who is a team player, right? And so it's how do you bring that to the discussion to demonstrate that you have those skills and that you are a transformative leader? How can you tell the story of you that resonates with what they're looking for? So what I mean by that is I will tell you in today's world with all the applicants, employers are probably looking at resumes on average 30 seconds to a minute. And if you put something on your resume that stands out, you're not afraid to do it, then that employer is going to spend five, 10 times that amount of time on your resume. Some of the advice I've given younger recruits is put your personal purpose statement on the resume. That right there shows who you are, what you value, and it also shows that your personal purpose statement connects with the employer's values. And that right there is a conversation starter. I also would tell people, don't be afraid to be who you are and underestimate 
what you have done and what it brings to the table. I always tell this story, and to this day, it stands out. It was a young man who came in. He had been bartending and going to school full time to help support his family. And he didn't apologize for it. He explained why bartending was honed skills that are going to be important to you how he had to memorize orders, how he had to be client-facing and be able to deal with all different types of personalities, how he managed the bar. And so he brought all of what he did as a bartender and brought it to life and really connected it to what he would be doing, at least in his first few years at EY. I look back and I will tell you, when I put my resume together, I was one of those people. I was like, oh, this is not going to get anywhere. And then someone said, Jenny, be proud of who you are. So the very first thing I put on my resume was raise grand champion market hogs. And <laughs> everyone, I mean, talk about a conversation starter. <laughs> I mean, they probably wouldn't think, well, I'm not going to hire her, but I certainly want to know hey, what yeah. raising uh, grand champion market hogs is all about. And I just, I honed my story. I made the story about me and all the things that I did from the age eight to age 18, raising pigs, what I learned from that experience. And several people told me that was one of the reasons why they like <laughs> said, I'm gonna, we need to hire yeah, her. Yeah. <laughs> and it does take a skill as someone yeah. who's helped raise pigs also because I'm from Pennsylvania. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I would say is don't be ashamed for a gap in your resume. But you should be able to talk about what did you do during that gap? I interviewed a candidate not too long ago, and they had about a six-month gap in their resume. But you know what? They put that gap first. They highlighted all of the learning they did, all the skill building they did. And I asked, why did you focus on these particular skills and these particular experiences during your gap between employment? And they said, well, I was let go of a broader layoff. But when I asked my manager, what were the things that you would ask me to develop if I were still employed here? And they gave me the list of the things that I needed to focus on. So that's what I did for those six months. That's fantastic. Yeah. And also what I love about that, too, is it shows that there's a lot of misinformation that goes on the Internet about gaps and about experiences. And as long as you know the direction that you're heading and I think also what you can do for that employer, you can really position it to say, I can be an asset for you. I appreciate that. That's how you approach the hiring The other thing I wanted to ask you, too, is because you've navigated your career so successfully and taken those chances, what is your advice to people who want to rise through the ranks? Because I know there are a lot, especially Gen Zers, they're now saying, oh, I've been in this position two years and I want a higher role now. And obviously they aim very high very quickly, and a lot of people do. What is your advice for people who want to grow through the ranks? So I think the first thing is... Don't just immediately say no to an opportunity. If it doesn't sound like something you want to do, don't be too quick to say no. And recognize that out of every opportunity, you are going to gain some experience that's going to help you in the future. The second thing is, as I would say, have patience and patience in two regards. One, you need to make sure that you're providing great results in your current role. Right. And that is going to get you noticed. And when you're able to excel in your current role, then that's what's going to get you noticed by those who can help you to continue to progress. And the second reason I would say have patience is that I recently had someone come to me and say, I really would like to 
explore experiences in another service line. And we talked through why. And it wasn't this person was running from something. This person genuinely, and I could tell by the way I talked to them, wanted to gain experiences, really felt like that was going to help them to continue to progress at EY. And I said, we'll make sure that we get you in front of people, but you're going to have to have patience because this isn't going to happen overnight. So we need to work with the business. And if you continue to deliver the way you have been in your current role and we get you in front of the right people to talk about wanting to do that and you have the patience to wait for when the timing aligns, this will happen for you. And I saw that this conversation was probably about four months ago, and I saw that person recently, and they said, guess what? I'm transferring December 1st. And you gave me the best advice to be patient because I may have jumped the gun and probably left, maybe, if I didn't think it was going to happen, but you guided me well. And so I think be results-oriented, making sure you're focused on what you're getting out Mm -hmm. of that experience or opportunity. Step back and say, okay, what did I gain from that? And then as you're trying to navigate and have different experiences or changing your role at an employer, just have the patience and work with the organization because it will happen. Especially the results part, like you said about that role, because I know a lot of people, their idea of promotion or something is, oh, but I could do my manager's job. And it's like, that's great, but you're not doing their job. Someone has to do your job, too. (laughs) So I think that's really great advice. And also the patience part, because things don't happen overnight. And especially the piece where there might be something that aligns relatively quickly. But, you know, if you really want to move somewhere and the business is behind you, it does take a little while for all those little pieces to fall into place. Yes. And is there any other piece of advice for people who are listening who maybe feel a little bit lost or anything that you think is especially important right now in the workforce? When you look at today's labor market, it is probably the most dynamic labor market that we've experienced. And what I mean by that is you've got a shrinking labor participation. You've got a skills gap that is growing. It's just continuing to spread between what employers need and what they can get in the workforce right now. So I think making sure that you understand what are the future-focused skills that are going to be needed and stepping back and thinking about, okay, this is where my passion is, whatever that might be. These are the skills that are going to be in demand either now or in the future. And where can I invest my time? Being, I think, really thoughtful about where you invest your personal development. And then I think that will speak volumes because even if you're interviewing for a role, because one of the things that we're doing now and I'm really pushing is that we've got to stop looking for candidates based on perfection of resume. And we really need to start interviewing and assessing candidates based on potential. And if you're someone who has gone and shown that you are curious through your own personal learning or that you've invested at a former employer in their learning programs and you've developed skills and you've been able to deploy those skills in a successful way, you're telling me that you're a continuous learner, that you do have that curiosity that we want, and you have an aptitude to learn new skills and apply those. And so you may not have figured out the one thing yet that is like your long-term passion and where you want to invest your career, but what you have done can tell a really great story about who you are and what you'll be able to contribute to another organization. Yeah, I think that's such a brilliant idea because there's so many people out there who I think see their resumes as like testing in school. And, you know, some people just don't 
do well at testing. But then there are people who they still know math or they still know something else. And harnessing that or harnessing their different abilities can really propel a business forward. I personally go straight to what have been their experiences? What do they want to tell me about themselves? Like, what do they think is important? And again, interviews are becoming much more about a conversation. And I'm assessing that person you know, because I keep talking about curiosity and I'm obsessing them as much on their curiosity because if they're not asking me questions about why I have worked at EY for 30 years, they're not asking me questions about different experiences at EY, what they can gain from being employed at EY, it makes me question how important is this? So that would be another piece of advice that I would give people who are starting their career or someone who is looking to make a pivot in their career is Make sure that you get out of that interview as much as the interviewer is trying to get out of that interview. Yeah, I think that's a really great piece of advice. Thank you so much, Jenny. Yeah, thank you. That was EY America's Vice Chair of Talent, Jenny Carlier. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Also, if you like this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday. Because we'll continue these conversations on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Rafa Faria is our associate producer. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Joe Georgie mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.